broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Welcome into another edition of Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Got my man Jared behind the wheels of steel. I got rotating folks behind the wheels of steel this week. Jared on Monday, Lindsay on Tuesday, Jared on Wednesday. Got Lindsay on Thursday? Is that what we got, Lindsay on Thursday? Yes, sir. There it is, Lindsay on Thursday. Who's closing us out on Friday? That would also be Lindsay. Oh, back-to-back. All right, there we go. We'll get a little bit of back-to-back consistency Thursday and Friday, but it's all good, man. You guys are doing a very good job. We definitely appreciate you as you fill in for Damon, who is on vacation, and he'll be back on Monday. And again, this is kind of vacation time for everyone in and around the station and not just here on Raider Nation Radio 920, but our sister stations as well. Uh, this is the kind of time of the season where you start to look and say, okay, it's a little bit of a downtime, but not really too much. So Jared's uh, filling in for DeMond this afternoon, and we definitely appreciate him. Got a lot coming up on today's show. Very excited about the guests that we have, uh, plus some really good sounds. I was on Todd McShay's uh, conference call, the pre-draft conference call, and We've had some from Daniel Jeremiah. We've had some from Mel Kuyper Jr. We had Matt Miller and Jordan Reed last week. Today, Todd McShay. So really good stuff with Todd earlier today. Todd, 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 right? Isn't that what you say, uh, Jared? Todd, Todd, Todd. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the famous way to say his name. Todd, you know, Todd, Todd, Todd. You know one of the things that I want to do? I really want to do this, and it's on my bucket list things, and it's not really a big deal, and most people will be like, whatever. That's, you know, kind of lame. I want to host a show on ESPN where it's me and Mel Kuyper. Like, I just want to, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to be that guy. I want to be the guy. I want to be Dari. That time that they do Dari and Mel, I want to be Dari for a day. And that's, I don't know why. It's just one of those small little goals that I have. I don't know why. Well, I mean, he's a legend. And, uh, I mean, he's recently, you know, re- released, the, he, he released the hair. So maybe he, maybe, maybe you'll level him out, but well, I hope not. I'll say this. I saw the schedule, and this is kind of a peek behind the curtain of something that doesn't matter at all, but I saw the schedule for this weekend for ESPN Radio, and Daria and Mel come on, and then I come on right after him. So I'm like, damn, I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm right after Daria and Mel. So one of these days, Daria's going to be <coughs> sick, and they're going to call Q out the bullpen. I'm just saying. South I mean, of all the people. <laughs> <laughs> I'd goal, pick you. The goal is to do that show before the draft happens, April 27th. That's going to be the goal. And then I might just go ahead and rerun the whole show. I might just run it back on the on the station because I think it would be a lot of fun. That dude, I'll tell you the one thing. You could question all these draft guys. You can question them because sometimes they're spot on. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes teams are feeding them information just to get it out there. That ends up being false. I mean, we know how it is during draft season, so you take it with a grain of salt. But – the one thing you could say about Mel, man, you can ask him just about anybody, and he just pops off the top of his head about that guy. Like he, I know that his wheelhouse is just this time of year, and then he'll go into hibernation for most of the year. You know, as far as being on the radio and, and talking draft, he's doing his homework, but he's not literally on the radio. But that dude, he'll pop off the top of his head about whatever player you're talking about, whatever school it is, whatever division it is, he's 99.9% of the time got it covered. So that's one of the guys that I definitely want to do a show with at some point. But we will hear some sounds. Matter of fact, coming up in the opening drive from Todd McShay as I was on that pre-draft conference call earlier today. But the guests that we have lined up, very excited about those. First off, Jeremy Werner, uh, Illini Inquirer at 2.30, and uh, he's going to talk all things Devin Witherspoon. 
I'm ex- excited about him. As a matter of fact, I got to get some clarification when it comes to Weatherspoon because I was calling him Devon Weatherspoon for the longest, and then someone corrected me and said, no, it's Devin. And then someone that I said Devin, they said, no, it's Devon. So first of all, we got to make sure we're saying the young man's name right. He's going to be a top 10 pick potentially in this upcoming draft. He's a guy that, as I mentioned with Todd McShay, McShay actually had him going to the Raiders at number seven in his latest mock draft. Uh, the other day, Matt Miller, I believe, Jordan Reed had Christian Gonzalez and had uh, Witherspoon going number six to the Lions. So, I mean, he's one of the, it's like 1A, one, one right? I mean, those, both those guys are probably going to go back-to-back wherever they go. So, on Todd McShay's latest mock draft, he had Witherspoon going number seven overall. So, first of all, I got to get his name right. Got to make sure I'm getting his name right, show him that respect. But he had his personal pro day today. Because at uh, Illinois' pro day, he, he was still dealing with the hamstring injury. So he ran pretty well at the pro day today. So I just want to get a little bit of insight on him. And also, you know, just what how he's grown as a defensive back. He had a really good season this year as far as uh, turnovers, you know, creating turnovers come. So I want to get all things uh, Devin or Devon, and we'll find out at 2.30 exactly how to say his name. We'll talk all things with the spoon coming up at 2.30. Then at 3 o'clock, uh, John Steppy, Hawkeyes reporter for Gazette.com, he's going to join us. And I've had a lot of people on the podcast and the radio show uh, call in and say that, you know, you need to start looking at some of these Iowa players. You know, there's some really good ones like Lucas Van Ness and Jack Campbell, just to name a few. And I know Jack Campbell, the linebacker, and I know the linebacker class is very thin when it comes to this upcoming draft. Who's the one, ones they really get? But uh, I know Jack Campbell's a guy that Vinny has told us many times that the Raiders do have some interest in. And, of course, the Raiders have a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball. So I said, you know, at some point we'll do a deep dive on Iowa Hawkeyes that are going to be in the draft. And they're coming off a really good season, right? They were uh, second in the Big Ten. Or they, did, they did some really good things this past year. And they have a good handful of players that are eligible for this upcoming draft that are going to be selected pretty early. You know, they probably have like three or four guys at least that are going to be selected pretty early in the draft. So we'll talk to John Steppy, Hawkeyes reporter for Gazette.com, coming up at 3 o'clock. 3.30 every Wednesday, we have Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She covers all things UNLV, talks all things Aces. We'll talk about the women's national championship game. We'll talk about the men's national championship game. We'll just scatter shoot with Paloma like we do each and every Wednesday. We'll do that at 3.30. So that is uh, always a good uh, conversation with Paloma. 4 o'clock, we know the Masters are here this week. It's a big week in sports in general. The Masters, I will be the first to admit, I am not a golf aficionado, right? I, I know Tiger Woods, and I know Tiger Woods. If, ti- if Tiger's not playing, I'm not watching. I mean, honestly, you know, that's that's how I've always been. And, you know, that's, that's how I grew up. Right. Shame on me for that, I guess, because I know that there's a lot of great golfers, and I know that the Masters is is the best of the best. And I've got buddies that go to the Masters religiously every year, and they're like, Q, you got to go. You got to go and attend. And, you know, it's, it's something that I'd probably like to go, not in a working capacity, but just go and chill and just relax and have a few beverages and hang out and, and kind of watch everything. But, you know me, man. It's a little too quiet and a little too slow for me. I like to keep everything moving. I like to be loud. So I don't know if I'd be welcome too much there uh, that in, in Augusta at the Masters, but that's just me. So uh, Cam Rogers, Believe Podcast Network, he is a golf dude. Like, he's going to give you the, the lowdown on everyone involved in the Masters and even who he believes is going to win. And like For me, again, it's about Tiger. I'm just glad that he's out there. Obviously, he pushes the needles when he's out there, and I just want to see him make the cut. I know that that's a big deal. He's made the cut almost, I think, every year he's playing the Masters except for his amateur year. That was like the only time he didn't. So that's where I'm going to lean heavily on. But Cam Rogers will give us everything we need to know about the Masters. And potentially, can we see Tiger playing this upcoming weekend? That's coming up at 4 o'clock. Then at 4.30, 
Jordan Schultz from the score. Uh, apparently, myself and JT have uh, the same friends. <laughs> so Jordan Schultz is the guy that I was just hanging out with at the owners' meetings in Phoenix, and uh, we had, we have been exchanging text messages about a bunch of different players that the Raiders are having coming in for visits, and even when like a guy like DeAndre Carter uh, signed with the Raiders as a wide receiver, the free agent from the Chargers. Uh, so we kind of just talked about, hey, you got to pop on it sometime. So uh, he's going to join the show at 4:30. So we'll talk about everything going on with the upcoming draft, what he learned at the owners' meetings, uh, talk about some of these players what it means when they come in for a top 30 visit we found out Bryce Young Alabama quarterback is going to be coming in for a top 30 visit tomorrow Anthony Richardson is going to be coming in on Friday Will Levitt's already came in on Monday what does that mean Raiders are doing their due diligence on all the quarterbacks so that's the guest that we have lined up for you plus we have plenty of sound from Todd McShay that we're going to get to and of course Raider Nation most importantly as always we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200, and our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Jeremy Werner, Illini Inquirer at 2.30, John Steppe, Hawkeyes Reporter at 3, Paloma Villacon at 3.30, Cam Rogers at 4, and Jordan Schultz will close us out at 4.30. Now that you know the guests on the show, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So what I want to do here is as I was on this conference call earlier this morning, it was about 730 this morning. Uh, and so it was really good stuff, a little bit over an hour long with Todd McShay from ESPN. I had to ask a question, and we've kind of had a theme going on around here about trading up for Anthony Richardson, staying at seven and getting the best defensive player. And he has, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Devin Witherspoon selected at number seven for the Raiders. So you're going to hear the question that I ask him about the difference between Witherspoon, Gonzalez, and also the, you know, the other corners. Like, what's the big separation? Because in almost every mock draft, it goes – Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Gonzalez, Witherspoon, Porter, and then everyone else. But it's a very deep draft when it comes to the corner position. And then I also ask about trading up to number three to get Anthony Richardson because in his mock draft, he has the Colts moving up from four to three to get Anthony Richardson. So here's the question. It's a very lengthy answer, but it'll lead into my show topic as well. So here's the question I had for Todd McShay earlier this morning. Todd, thanks for doing this. Uh, you mentioned how the cornerback class is pretty deep. What's the talent gap between a Witherspoon, Gonzalez, and a Porter, and maybe round two, round three cornerbacks? And then second question is uh, you have Witherspoon going to the Raiders at seven. Should they be tempted to try to trade up to number three and get uh, Richardson as you had the Colts trade up to get him? Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that they should be, and it would be a really good spot for Richardson, just being able to go in with, with Garoppolo there and have a year at least to to develop. And he's only going to be 21 as a rookie compared to, like, Will Levis, who's going to be 24, Hendon Hooker, who's going to turn uh, 26 in, in the, the end of uh, his rookie season. So you've got time to develop Richardson. You don't have the game experience that you want to see, and there's a lot to work with, and, and game reps are going to be hard to to replicate. Um, but but I don't think – like just, just talking to people in the league and, and other sources that I have, I get the sense that if it's, if it's not a quarterback named, named Stroud or Young, they're just not interested in, in not only moving up, but even probably taking a quarterback at number seven. I think they have so many other needs that they're, they're kind of focused on. So I know they did their due diligence. I think they, they had as many dinners the night before pro days with these top guys as, as the Carolina Panthers did. They just didn't bring the owner and his wife like Carolina did. But, um, but they definitely have done their due diligence on the group. I know that they tried to move up to that number one spot, didn't get a deal done. Carolina did. And so my information is that if it's not Young or Stroud, they're just going to try to 
build up their roster in other other places. Um, as for cornerback, like I think there is a difference between the first two guys, but it's not like it's not a massive gap. Um, you know, Witherspoon, I went through Witherspoon and Gonzalez in, in pretty good detail. Joey Porter does is not quite as like smooth in coverage as Gonzalez. Um, and he's a little bit inconsistent with his like, gap discipline and, and sometimes will get himself out of position. But, man, he, if you're playing, a, you know, the cover three, even cover one, um, and, and looking for press cover corners, Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State's your guy. I mean, he is, he is tall, 6'2 and a half, 193 pounds, 34-inch arms. I mean, when you have that length of a left tackle out at cornerback, it allows you to reroute receivers, get physical, and really stunt their, their stem as a receiver. And then he's got the this the top end speed. He ran better than I thought he actually would. He ran a four four six in the forty, so he can recover too if he's if he's stalking guys after press man or, or press zone. So I, I really like him as a player. He didn't have great interception production. I think he only had one interception last year, but he had eleven pass breakups. So he's around the ball a lot, and it's tough to throw around that a guy with that kind of um, with that kind of length. So uh, to me, Porter Junior is is the third corner. After that. I really there are two other guys I think belong in the first round. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, who's a, a toothpick. You know, he I think he's I think he was 166 pounds at the combine. Uh, yeah, 166, but he's got long arms. He actually typically a guy like that who's tall and long is better in press coverage. He he has great eyes in um, in zone coverage, off coverage, and you look at his. His production, 14 career interceptions, six returned for touchdowns. I mean, he, you talk about a guy with instincts and recognition skills and the ability to, to understand route combinations. You see him peel off of his guy and, and, and go make a play on the ball because it's, it, he knows when to get his eyes in the backfield and, and, and figure out when, where the quarterback's going with the ball and, and get early jumps consistently. So I think he belongs in the first, and I also think um, – I would say Deontay Banks from Maryland's another guy. A little bit inconsistent when the ball's in the air, but he's got the traits to be a really good player. Um, you know, and he, and he had a really good season this past year at Maryland. He's six foot, you know, almost 32 inch arms. He ran a 4 3 5 with a 42 inch vertical. So at the cornerback position, the length speed combination is more important than probably any other position. When it comes to testing, it's probably the, the most important position to, to have the, to have the you know, high test scores and, and the traits that you look for because, you know, these guys, it seems like they come in, if they're in the right system that utilizes their, their ability, uh, typically you're going you're gonna to find corners that, that wind up playing better and having more production in the NFL than they did in college if you utilize what they do best. And Seattle's been doing that for, for a long time, and they did this past year with their late-round rookie cornerback. So, um, yeah, that, to me, that those are the four corners that belong. And then you get down to, like, I, I look at the, the Michigan corner. Um, DJ Turner is another guy that could sneak in the late first as well. There you go. Ty McShay from ESPN. Obviously a very lengthy answer right there talking about uh, Anthony Richardson off top, just talking about the quarterback position and uh, the fact that if it's not 
Uh, if it's not C.J. Stroud, if it's not Bryce Young, then the Raiders aren't really interested in the top ten and top seven even and drafting a quarterback first overall You know, with their first pick. Now, again, it's it's draft season, so you take it with a grain of salt. But with that, que- with that response about the quarterback and Anthony Richardson, obviously he's been a guy that we've talked about quite a bit. And then also talking about the depth of the cornerbacks right there. Uh, he has Witherspoon. Uh, we've talked about Gonzalez. Uh, really intrigued by Emmanuel Forbes, though, right? <laughs> I mean, learning about the production that he had in college, you know, 14 interceptions, six, uh, six returns to the house. I mean, when I talk about guys that are used to getting their hands on the ball, the dude is a tall, lanky dude, right? After that, after that conference call, I went back and looked at some of, of the work that he put in this past season. He is a tall, lanky dude. I mean, a guy, think about a guy, 6'1", 6'2", and is 160-something pounds. Like, that is a skinny, skinny dude, but he just knows how to ball. So that's obviously a guy that you want to pay attention to. So the question I threw out there, again, according to Tom McShay, as you just heard, uh, at quarterback, top 10, if it's not Stroud or Young, the Raiders aren't interested. Two-part question. Are you trading to number three if one of those guys somehow becomes available? We're assuming Stroud and Young are going to go one, two. But just for S's and giggles, say it doesn't happen. And say one of those two guys, and I don't know which one it is, is there at number three. Are you making the move? If you're the Raiders, are you making the move up to number three to go get him? Or are you still sticking at number seven for the best defensive player? That is the question that I have for you right there. If Young or Stroud happens to be available at number three, do you get the move for him? Or do you still stick with the plan? Stay there at number seven. Again, the smart, the smart money tells me stay there at number seven, Q. Get the best defensive players. That's what the smart money tells me. But, man, temptation is a mother, right? Temptation is a mother, and uh, that quarterback, that bright, shiny toy that, that you know that the Raiders are going to need at some point could be right there, and especially if it's one of their guys. Do you make the move? That's the question. 702-365-9200. would love to hear from you, and also 69187, keyword r and That's Text sign again, Jeremy Werner, Illini Inquirer, will join us at 2.30 to talk all things Devin Witherspoon. I uh, got a text here from Mailman Raider. This doesn't have to do with the subject, but say, yo, Q, just got back from vacation, got my first experience with strong turbulence, and it somewhat reminded me of this offseason. The only difference is I didn't, bl- <laughs> I didn't blank in my pants, LOL. But I got a hypothetical for you. We keep talking about the number three pick in Richardson. What happens if Rice or CJ are there, though? Uh, you making that trade then? We've seen crazier things happen. And it's funny, I said it had nothing to do with that subject because I hadn't read it yet. Right, I just literally read that, and I guess me and Mailman Raider were on the same page. So, Mailman Raider, thanks for the text, man. I literally had no idea that that's what that was about. All I read was the part about the turbulence and you not s in your pants, and so that's a, that is a good thing. So, would love to hear from you, Mailman Raider. You answer your question. I'm telling you, it's tempting. Uh, we've had really good discussions here, though, on Radio Nation Radio 920 about sticking with the plan, sticking with defense. Go get that difference maker because we all know that the Raiders need all the difference makers in the world. But that quarterback, especially if it's one that they really covet, which it sounds like it's Young or Stroud, probably Young, as we've been told before. If one of those guys is there, that is tempting, tempting, tempting not to go make that move. So that's why I don't really have the answer. I like throwing the question out there, but I don't really have the answer. So I'd love to hear from you, 702-365-9200, and the, uh, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, Devin from San Diego said, I'm not against it. Uh, I would do it for Young or Stroud, but Richardson still scares me as a prospect, so there's that. Uh, I like that. And then also keep pumping up AR, AR to the Panthers, CJ to the Raiders, 
Uh, CJ, number two, Raiders trade up to number three and draft Bryce Young. There you go. So uh, uh, Devin's got a couple good ideas coming from San Diego. We appreciate that on the don'tbebroke.com text line. And, again, you can hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. And, of course, you can hit us up on the phone lines at 702-365-9200 like our good friend Juan the Smasher did. Juan, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What's up? What's up, Q? What's going on? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. I know that's right. <laughs> hey, Q, if it was up to me and you and that question to, to answer your question, I'm sticking to the uh, sticking to the plan, and I'm just going to go with Christian Gonzalez, my man. I'm going to stick with that defense and just stick with the game plan. You know what I'm saying? Those fools are not going to land on seven, so I'm going to take that cornerback. We're going to build this defense, and we're going to uh, smack fools in the mouth, and we're going to finally beat these Chiefs. Hey, Q, thank you for, for everything you do. You guys have a good day. Let's go, Ray. Let's go, baby. There he goes. Juan the Smasher, thanks for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. And, they, I mean, that's a good way to go, right? You could just sit there. They could just simply stay there at number seven, and you're guaranteed a really good defensive player is going to fall to you. You're, you're guaranteed that's going to happen, right? I mean, because we know the first two picks at least are quarterbacks. Number three is a wild card. But you know that somewhere in there, there's going to all of a sudden the quarterbacks are going to stop. So number three, if Arizona trades out, which my gut feeling tells me that they will, uh, even if it's only trade back one spot to, to the, the Colts to, you know, the Colts move up to number three, then you know that, okay, there's at least two quarterbacks gone. So just say the next few picks are all defensive guys. Just for, like I said, for S's and giggles, say that the Cardinals go with Will Anderson. That's number three. Then the Colts go with. Hell, I don't Jalen Carter or or any other defense. Tyree Wilson. Let's give him Tyree Wilson. All right. That would be four. Five is Seattle. They'll go with Jalen Carter. Six, you still have who? Witherspoon and Gonzalez there. So say they go with Witherspoon. Say that that's the one that they pick. And then there's still Gonzalez there. That's still a really good defensive player. Right? So, I mean, it's it's just about, I mean, just doing the math tells you that you're gonna have a really good defensive player there available for you. The question is, what do you want the most? And again, if it's the if it's not you know, because Richardson is a guy that you all know is going to have to be, uh, you know, sit behind someone like a Jimmy G and learn from him for a while before he's actually ready to take over the reins. A guy like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, you feel pretty comfortable that if he had to take over immediately, probably could. That's what complicates this whole situation. Because all of a sudden, if it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young and one of them are there, and again, I've crossed those guys off the list a long time ago. I'm like, those dudes are gone. They're gone one to two. Like, we had John McClain on yesterday, and I said, who's, who's the Texans going to take? Whoever the Panthers don't. Like, that, that was, that was uh, you know, his answer. Like, if they take CJ, then the, the Texans will take Bryce. If they take Bryce, Texans will take CJ. That, that's pretty much his answer. But just what if there happens to be a different shakeup at the top? What if CJ's not the guy? What if Carolina says, hey, you know what? Let's go get Cam Newton 2.0. What if they believe that? Then all of a sudden things get a little bit more complicated. And that's where, that's where the question comes in. Okay, so what do they do? So, Jared, I ask you, put your scouting cap on. This is what you do. This is what you did. Now you're doing much, much uh, better things here as you're, uh, you know, part of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. What would you do in this situation? If you're the Raiders, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, obviously not both, are sitting there available at number three. Do you trade up or do you hold out, sit at number seven, and wait for the best defensive player to drop? That genuinely, just because of the division, I, I almost even consider the option of trading back from seven, considering how much defensive help that I I believe that the Raiders need. But man, you, 
the way you're describing this is almost a um, what is it a Mario Williams situation where somebody just goes completely left field and right. like everyone Which, else. It's funny that you bring up Mario Williams when the Texans made that decision to go with Mario Williams instead of Reggie Bush, like everyone believed. I was like, are they crazy? Are they nuts? And it turned out to be the right pick. Yeah. Exactly, and so I'm also afraid that with these, with the with the top two guys, you're almost looking at a Mariota, uh, Winston situation where it's like everybody agrees. It's if you don't get this one, you go get the other one. You get right. this one, you don't get the other one, and it's like maybe just like hold back and like wait for like I, you build your defense for now. That's your biggest concern, especially in the division you play for. So. And on, okay, so let me ask you this. On the flip side of that, thinking about the division that the Raiders are in with the quarterbacks that they have to compete against each and every division game, you have Mahomes twice a year. You have Herbert twice a year. Wilson right now is kind of the jury's still out, but you still have him twice a year. And at one time, he's still a Super Bowl champion uh, quarterback, so there's that. Do you at some point have to go out there, lay it on the line, and go get a quarterback that you think could be that dynamic dude? Well, it, To that, compete against so, those guys. Other, there's two different philosophies. There's the philosophy right. of, okay, we have to bring a howitzer to a howitzer fight, or, okay, we got to get, we got to be able to stop them from pummeling us over and over and over right. again. There's two trains of thoughts there, right? You fight fire with fire, or you try to stop it. And based on what they've done in the offseason already, which is mostly offensive spending, it looks like their plan at this point is okay. Then we're going to build the defense through the draft, or at right. least that would be the plan. That's what I. That's that's, what, that's my. That's the plan of like. Yeah. How, oh, okay. That's that's logically how you do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, McDaniel's is a different kind of cat. He may literally be like, I spent all this money in our Ziegler and McDaniel's. I spent all this money. I've got all these new offensive weapons. Now it's time to get the young dude and put him out there. Similar situation to kind of what the the uh, Chiefs did with Mahomes and Alex Smith. Only problem is the Chiefs had a team already built. Right? right. So it's not like they had to try to build a team. And, you know, offensively the Raiders have a team built, but they don't have one defensively to your credit. So, you know, again, there's so many different trains of thoughts when you think about this situation, and that's why I believe it's so intriguing, and I don't think that there's a wrong answer on April 5th. Right? Because, right. again, you're trying to build the defense. You have to build the defense. You cannot ignore that. That's, if you do, that's on you. Right? That's, that's a shame if you do that because it's been far too long. But you also at some point have to get your quarterback of the future, and you're not anticipating, I don't think you're anticipating, being in the top ten again. Now, the, the Chiefs weren't in the top ten when they went up and made the move for Patrick Mahomes. They made a hell of a trade to go get him. But they, again, had a team that was already built. Who was, who, who was taken in that in the top ten. Uh, Trubisky was yep. was the first quarterback taken. Uh, who else was taken beside it? Deshaun Watson was right after him, right? Or was he right before him? I think he was no, right before they him. They moved up to go get Trubisky, and everybody went. Yeah, He's only played 13 games, but right. the, te- the, the and they, skills and, are all there. And they traded up with themselves because there was yeah. nobody that was taking Trubisky at that point, which was weird. But, I mean, I remember being at that draft. But where, which, who went first? Was it Mahomes or Watson? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was... I thought it was Deshaun. Didn't Deshaun go number one, eight overall? Yes, I, I want to say that. Yeah, and then Trubisky went, what, number two? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they traded up. Yeah, they traded up, which didn't make any sense whatsoever. And then the Chiefs made a huge trade all the way up to go get Mahomes. As soon as they did that, I put my head down like, oh, man, 
it's going to be all bad. So the question I throw out there to you, Raider Nation, we'd love to hear from you. 69187, keyword r and dot text line. Again, Jeremy Werner is joining us next. He's going to talk all things uh, Devin Witherspoon, and we're going to find out how to say his name correctly and what his pro day looked like today, his individual pro day. But uh, since Todd McShay said if it's, a, if it's not Stroud or Young, the Raiders aren't interested to train up the number three to go get a quarterback. So I ask you, if Stroud or Young is there available at number three, one of those two guys, are you trading up to number three? To go get them, or are you staying there at number seven and building the defense like the original plan was to do? 69187, keyword RR. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. Through the question out there if CJ Stroud or Bryce Young happen to be sitting there at number three and you're the Raiders, are you interested in trading up to number two to go get them, or are you staying there at number seven to get the best defensive player? That is available. 69187, keyword r and broke.com text line. Hit us up with your uh, response at that. And also, if you have a question for any of our guests, including our next one, which is Jeremy Werner, the Illini Inquirer, at jwerner247 on Twitter. And, Jeremy, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And before we even get started, I wanted to ask about Devin Witherspoon or Devon Witherspoon. How do I properly say his name? It's Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, I had to figure that out four years ago. Uh, when Devin Witherspoon was a very late addition to the class of 2019 for uh, Lovey Smith and he ended up being the best addition in the class of 2019, going from a zero-star recruit up to 24-7 sports and even have him rated uh, to potentially one of the top ten draft picks. So, amazing story. What is it about uh, Illinois quarterbacks that they just don't get the love. I mean, Nate Hobbs is here and he's kind of told the same story that he's got the chip on the shoulder and he, you know, he wasn't rated very high. And, and now with a spoon with the same scenario, what, what is it about Illinois where they're able just to get those kind of uh, cornerbacks there to go play at a high level? Well, what did a heck of a job evaluating talent at that position? Tony Adams is uh, playing for the New York Jets. He's DB as well. And then Illinois is going to have a couple more DBs get drafted Probably in the first three rounds, Sidney Brown, a really good safety. Um, you've had uh, Quan Martin, who's a versatile guy, could play nickel or safety. He's probably going to be drafted in you know, day two. Uh, and Kirby Joseph last year was one of the best rookie DBs uh, in the NFL. So he did a really good job of developing them. But I'll tell you what, Nate Hobbs might have been the most talented of the crew. And I, I was always such a huge fan of Nate. I don't think he got help in Lovey's system uh, where they played a lot of zone they had a lot of miscommunication in the secondary back then, but I tell you what, Brett Bielma, Ryan Walters, who's now the head coach at Purdue, and Aaron Henry, the, the DB's coach at Illinois, did a great job developing the talent that Lovey Smith brought in here. And, and then Brett Bielma, obviously, is a really good coach, uh, and, and he's uh, bringing in even more DB talent. So, yeah, they kind of become a little bit DBU, kind yeah. of surprising. You know, you guys called me up talking about a potential top 10 draft pick. Illinois is not a top 10 draft pick. Uh, since uh, Kevin Hardy and Simeon Rice back in 1996. So wow. uh, pretty big deal around here. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Again, Jeremy Werner is our guest from the Illini Inquirer here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness talking about Devin Witherspoon. And it's funny, at the Combine, I got to talk to him in a pretty good lengthy amount of time because he was the last guy to hit the podium because he was with the medical tent, right? He was in the medical thing. They were checking out his hamstring. He ended up not working out because of his hamstring. He didn't do the Illini Pro Day because of his hamstring, but he was out there today. How much have you just seen him grow as a player over, like you mentioned, the four years uh, that you've been covering him? Well, I, just physically, guys. I mean, he's still not the biggest guy, right? He's a little slender for, for an NFL top 10 corner. Uh, he's 5'10", 5'11", you know, 
uh, 5'11 and a half, I think, is what he measured in at. And about 181, 185 pounds, that's way up from what he was. When he showed up to camp, uh, he's headed on his way to JUCO, guys. He's actually at a JUCO in June. And, and Lovey Smith gave him a call. You know, Devin took another SAT, became a qualifier, and Lovey Smith said, yes, we want him. He's a really good high school player, just wasn't a qualifier. And, uh, Illinois got in him, got him up to camp, but I remember he showed up and he was just a string bait, man. And, uh, you know, he's added a lot of strength, but from really day one of him hitting the football field for Illinois, you could tell it was a little bit different because even though he's small, he packed a punch. He played like he was a linebacker. Uh, he hit like he was a linebacker. The coaches up here always said, and I think it's a football phrase, like he'll put his face in the fan. Like he is not afraid to hit. Um, and, and that was evident from his time as a special teamer. And by the end of his freshman year, he was starting games. And, and Illinois had a kid, Marquez Beeson, who was a top 200 prospect, that had an injury, but you know his career didn't go that way. And, and Devin Witherspoon kind of became everything they thought Beeson would be. But as a sophomore, he became a starter and was pretty good. As a junior, he became really good. Uh, and then as a senior, he became one of the best corners in the country. I think he's the best corner uh, in the country that I saw, at least when you put the game tape on. Guys, no one threw at him. So I, I, interceptions three might not stand out, but that's like three interceptions and about 40-something targets. And then he had you know 15 pass breakups, whatever it was. So uh, not only was he one of the hardest hitters in one sport, if you turn out a highlight film and see that, not, not only did he you know shut down some of the Big Ten best receivers, whether it was Charlie Jones or Trey Palmer uh, that he went up against, the Michigan guys didn't do anything against him. Um, but he made plays on the ball when he was presented with that. So uh, he's not the freakiest athlete. Like I think Christian Gonzalez is, you know, all those measurables uh, that you look for. But Devin Witherspoon is just a heck of a football player, and I think a big part of that is his aggression, his tenacity, but also his um, his commitment to film study. He is a very instinctual player because he studies film really well, so he knows what's coming. Uh, he, he reads defenses extremely well. Like First play of the year for Illinois on defense, uh, he laid out Sean Shivers from a running back from Indiana because he said he knew what the play was. Um, so that just comes from intense film study. So he's a guy who's incredibly, incredibly driven. Again, we're talking with Jeremy Werner here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And I've been saying for a long time, Jeremy, that the Raiders need more alpha dogs on their team. And it seems like Devin, and he's been uh, mocked to the Raiders by multiple mock drafters uh, at number seven overall, seems like he is that ultimate alpha dog. Do you get that sense from him, not only just on the field, but off the field, the way he carries himself in practice? Just He just is that leader of the pack? Yeah, he thinks he's the best player on the field. No, no matter as he should. They, yeah, <laughs> Illinois played Michigan this year. Michigan's loaded, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois almost beat Michigan. They had a lead on them. You know, just a couple minutes left to go, and they could have shaken up everything there and, and almost put themselves in the Big Ten championship game. But uh, Devin Witherspoon, he acts like he's the best player, and he lets you know he's the best player. Like if you if you watch his games, guys, like he is talking smack the entire time. Maybe he'll get beat every once in a while, not often. Uh, but they'll come back and do it again. I think that's the, the mindset you have to have to be a great cornerback. Whether mm-hmm. you know, you think of all the great cornerbacks going back to Dion, Darrell Revis, all these guys, like they talk. So uh, I don't think he's quite as physically gifted as you know Sauce Gardner, who came out last year, or uh, Derek Stingley, who came out last year. But I do think, like Sauce, he's got that you know I'm the man kind of quality to him, and I think you have to be that way to play corner, a position where the rules are kind of set against you. So 
Uh, I think that mindset to go along with his physical traits, to go along with his tenacity, uh, only help him. I'll tell you this. At the Combine, he's, he says straight up that he's the best cornerback in the draft. I mean, he, he, yeah. he said it, and, and I, I can appreciate that, right? Go out there, like you said. He believes he's the best player out there, and he's going to go out there and show it, and that's all you could really ask from a corner. They've got to have that mentality. Again, that's that alpha dog mentality. I saw this note from Daniel Jeremiah saying that uh, at the pro day, because he had his workout today, he ran a 4.46 and a 4.42, which is – Good enough speed. That's really good. He's not blazing, but that's good enough. Uh, as far as just what you're hearing about the his pro day and his workout since he was coming off that hamstring injury, what are you hearing about that? Yeah, he didn't do a lot of the agility stuff. He had that hamstring injury, so I, th- I think he can do. If I if I run sub four five forty, I'm I'm good because the tape speaks for itself. Like yep. you, you can get, you know, I, I think the combine is a great measurement. It kind of separates like. You know, is this guy fast enough? Is this guy long enough? All those different things. But at some point, you just turn on the tape, and I think the tape is, you know, 80% of it. I think the combine's probably 5%, and the interviews and background is probably 15% of it, right? So, like, um, I, I think Devin will do incredibly well in interviews because he is a committed football player. And I think his upbringing, guys, of not being a five star, of, you know, having those stars, of having that chip on his shoulder, of, you know, his mom and, and he did not grow up like, you know, with, with anything really, um, he's hungry. And, and I think that really matters. And I think he got good coaching here at Illinois. And from everything we've heard, he really matured as, as he went through school here and, and became one of the team's kind of, you know, leaders or at least a pulse of, of the team because you got a guy who's got that kind of mentality, just kind of seeps through to everybody. But uh, I think he answered any question he needed to, was just running that 40, sub 4 or 5. Um, you know, so some people had him like 4 3 9, but. Most people had them low fours. So anything under that, I think, is, is good enough to play corner in the NFL. What is the overall feeling when it comes to the hamstring injury? I mean, obviously he was good enough to run. Do you, is it something that he feels like is behind him, or is it one of those situations that may still be a little bit lingering? Yeah, the fact that he, I think he probably could have done things at the combine, but why would you risk millions of dollars potentially if you're not 100%? If you run like a 4-5-5, five, five, you know, that, that can really hurt you. Uh, why not take the time uh, and heal it up? It doesn't seem like it's that big of an issue for him. He was incredibly, again, guys, not a guy who had a lot of weight on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the moment he started in college, he barely had any injuries. Um, so he, he was a guy who was incredibly durable in his time at Illinois. So I, I don't think that's going to be a concern for him moving forward. Got a question here on our don'tbebroke.com text line. Uh, they hit us up and wanted to know, what do you think about Sidney Brown, the safety? One of, the, one of my favorite guys I've ever covered. Um, he's a shorter safety. Uh, he's kind of, you know, he, he looks like Troy Palomalu. He plays a little bit like Troy. I don't want to put Hall of Fame kind of right. expectations on him. He's got that long hair coming out, but he just packs a punch uh, in run support. And he's kind of their in-the-box safety for really the last first season and a half under Brett Bielema and Ryan Walters. But during the back half of the season, they kept getting feedback from the NFL. Was, we got to see him cover. We got to see him cover. And they kind of put him in more situations to be in coverage. They played him a little bit in nickel, a little bit in free safety. He had six interceptions, guys, over the back half of the season. Uh, a couple pick sixes against Northwestern. Just an incredibly another driven guy. He's a really ripped up, great athlete. Um, tested incredibly well at the Combine. Uh, and just a tenacious player. So uh, kind of has a little bit of Bob Sanders to him, if you remember mm. that. So yep. you know, some people, some people in the uh, uh, Illinois football office think he can go as high as the second round. I think at worst you're getting a phenomenal special teamer, 
but I do think he's going to be a guy who can play strong safety uh, and can play nickel too. He started his career with Lovey Smith as as a nickelback, but um, you know, with Lovey Smith, he kind of thought too much of the game. Like you could see, he was thinking through the game a lot. When he got under Ryan Walters and Brett Bielma, he just kind of learned how to, as they say, pull the trigger. And boy, when he does, guys, he is he is a tenacious hitter. Uh, and, and showed this year he can be really good in coverage as well. So I can't say enough about him as a kid, but he's a phenomenal football player as well. And uh, I think that's going to be really valued by NFL teams. Like I think he'll go somewhere between late second and early fourth round. Well, Jeremy, this has been fantastic. Before we let you go, you mentioned a couple times that, you know, these guys being coached up by Lovey Smith, and I thought that was a big deal since Lovey had been in the NFL for a while and obviously uh, got back into the NFL with the Houston Texans, not there anymore. But how much was that kind of a big deal that at least, you know, early on in some of these young guys' uh, careers, they learned under an NFL coach in Lovey Smith? Yeah, I think Lovey brought a lot of credibility here. Oh, no, it's kind of a train wreck when, when he took over. They lost scandal here with an abuse scandal and, uh, a coach that just was a train wreck, and Tim Beckman, he brought some credibility, some stability to them, but he struggled with the recruiting game a, a lot, but he did evaluate extremely well. Now, I think what Brett Bielema has done is figure out how to play those guys, where to play those guys, and just assist them to be successful in college. Like These guys play a heck of a lot more man-to-man, um, which is going to prepare them, I think, a lot more for the NFL. Uh, but, but Lovey Smith, got to respect the guy's credentials. But uh, it was kind of like a little bit of Herm Edwards. You know, those mm-hmm. guys kind of had their ways from the NFL. and It's a big transition into the college game. But uh, he did find some, some really good talent as, as we're talking about some of them here. Right, no doubt. And, again, about to have one uh, just drafted in the top ten in uh, Devin Witherspoon. Excited to see where he goes and excited to see how his career shakes out. Well, Jeremy, fantastic stuff. Again, Illini Inquirer is where you can find Jeremy on Twitter at jwerner247. Anything that you're working on that we should be on the lookout for? No, that's all right, guys. We've we got a story up on Devin Witherspoon right now, uh, but uh, just don't take one of the offensive linemen or defensive linemen for me, okay? I'm a Bears fan at number nine. <laughs> so after a big trade down, we need some uh, some help in the trenches. There you go. Hey, look, I'm not mad at that, man. Go ahead and throw one out there for yourself. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Jeremy, great stuff, man. We definitely appreciate you. All right, guys. Have a good day. All right, you too. There he goes. Jeremy Werner, fantastic stuff right there on Devin Witherspoon. Let it be known. His name is Devin Witherspoon, not Devon. Devin Witherspoon it is. Thank you so much, Jeremy Werner. Again, jwerner247 on Twitter. Uh, definitely hit us up. Give us your thoughts, 69187, keyword R&R. Also, 702-365-9200. Uh, if C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young happen to be there, just happen to be there at number three, do you think the Raiders should trade up to number three and go get them or stay there at number seven and stick to the defensive plan of getting the best player available, possibly Devin Witherspoon? Let us know about it. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. We heard earlier from Todd McShay today as I was on his pre-draft conference call that in the top 10 when it comes to quarterbacks, if it's not C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, the Raiders aren't interested. So the question I threw out there to you, if Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud for some reason happen to end up at number three, if one of those guys are there, and you're the Raiders, do you trade up to go get that guy, or do you stick to the plan which we talked about so far all offseason, which is build a defense, build a defense, build a defense, because they need to build the defense. We just had a really good conversation with Jeremy Werner from the Illini Inquirer talking all things Devin Witherspoon, who very easily could end up being the number one corner off the, off the board at the end of April. It's either going to be him or Christian Gonzalez. One of the two will be the first corner off the board, and – the other will be the second one. It's just that simple. It goes Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon. You can kind of put a slash in between those. 
whatever flavor you choose, like some people when it comes to Kool-Aid, like purple better than red, that's what it is, right? So you, you either pick one or the other, and then Joey Porter Jr. will be the third one. And then there's a bunch of more others. There's like 20, 20 probably cornerbacks that could be really talented in this upcoming draft uh, that teams are going to be uh, going and getting, like Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State who's had a lot of production when it comes to creating turnovers. So that's, a, that's another uh, that's another corner to to kind of keep your eyes on. But I do want to know from you, what are you doing in that type of situation? 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. Got a couple texts. Uh, Mailman Raider said, Q, we're on the same page. I had no idea it was going to be your show topic, but I absolutely make the trade. The only problem is I have to I, – I have is do they sit a year from now with Jimmy? Uh, it's funny. It seems like Jimmy, no matter what, where he's at, he's, he has someone breathing down his neck. So it would be fitting. So that's from the mailman Raider. And that's basically saying like, okay, if you go make the trade for Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, then they sit behind Jimmy for a year and learn. Or does that guy all of a sudden slide right in? Because again, we all talk about CJ and Bryce probably could slide in immediately and start. Are they going to be polished? No, but they can go in and start. And you feel pretty confident about the direction with one of those two guys there. So that's mailman Raider. And again, he had hit me with the, the question, basically the same question that I had uh, that I had asked before. But speaking of Christian Gonzalez and speaking of Devin Witherspoon, I talked about Todd McShay and being on his pre-draft conference call earlier this morning, and uh, he was talking about breaking down, kind of comparing and contrasting the two cornerbacks. So Gonzalez, to me, like, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois is, is going to be the first corner taken because he's the most complete. And he's, you know, he, he's a ball hawk. He's, he's really good in coverage. But Witherspoon, what he, he's just so physical. And, and, you know, in the NFL now, so much of the screen game and teams being spread out, you've got to be able to, to tackle at the cornerback position. I think where that's Witherspoon's strength, that's the area that Gonzalez has got to improve upon. He is not a great tackler. He's not great in run support. He's got to get better in those areas. But he's 6'1", almost 200 pounds, and he is a physical freak. I mean, he – he ran a 4.38, one of the best 40-yard dashes, had a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical jump, 11-1 broad jump. Um, and he, when you just watch in terms of, like, the, the blend of athletic traits that you're looking for in terms of quick feet, fluid hips, blazing, you know, top-end speed, and, and the ability to, to close on receivers. And when he gets out of phase, he, he's just so fast that he's able to get quickly back into phase and recover. So I, I just think he, he's got the best pure cover corner skill set in this year's class. And that's why I think like Witherspoon is more complete. If you're looking for the best cover corner, just take away your number one receiver. Gonzalez is going to be your guy. And that's why I, those are the, the top two corners um, in this class. So I, I, yeah, I, I I would vouch for him. I, I just I'd love to see him get a little stronger and, and better tackler, but everything else he, he's got to work with. There you go. Todd McShay talking about uh, not only Christian Gonzalez, but also Devin Witherspoon. Again, the first two cornerbacks that are going to be taken off the board coming up in April. Got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray at 69187, keyword r as we close out hour number one. Q, I'm not changing my mind and would like to stick at number seven. Again, I don't believe in giving up picks to only move up a few spots. With 12 picks, let's use them wisely and go after defense aggressively. The Florida and Kentucky quarterbacks remind me of a nice, shiny car after a good wash. However, when trying to start it up, the engine is missing. I'm just saying. That's my opinion. Staying at number seven, we'll draft a blue-chip player on defense, either quarterback Gonzalez or quarterback from Illinois. Just my opinion. I'm staying there at seven. Sir Whiskey Ray 
Cheers. Thank you so much. We kick off hour number two with John Steppy, Hawkeyes reporter from thegazette.com. This is Red Nation Radio 920.